Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim. It's good to have you with us this morning. Isn't it cold outside? But um, good to be together. Good to be together this morning, and um, hope you'll benefit and you'll be blessed by being with us today. We're in a series of lessons right now. We started the year looking at the idea of our thinking. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's on your mind? Do you ever anybody say that to you? Hey, what's on your mind? You look like something's on your mind. You know, maybe your face gives it away, your body language somehow. Maybe you sigh or maybe you giggle. Oh, what were you thinking? What's on your mind? You know, our minds are always working. I told you last week that the brain, uh, a couple weeks ago, that the brain may have uh, in a day 10,000 thoughts. I was wrong about that. Someone else come up with 70,000 thoughts. Our brains are busy, folks, constantly moving around, jumping tracks. Sometimes we lose our train of thought. It's gone, you know. I was talking to Alan backstage. I said, yeah, I I read something a couple of days ago in my daily Bible. It was about Joseph. Oh, what is it? Uh, There goes the train. I don't remember. I can't remember it. I'll remember it later. Like you do. We remember things later. Our minds are always wandering around. And who knows what kind of thoughts go through our brains. I know that... um, Sometimes they're good thoughts, sometimes they're bad thoughts. I think about the last year, what kind of thoughts, what, what has been on my mind the last year, and how I want to change those thoughts here in 2019. I want to have better thoughts, good thoughts. I'm going to ask you a question, another question. What are some thoughts that you seem to entertain the most? That you seem to feed or you dwell on the most? You know, one of the things that I, I'm realizing in this series, I'm thinking more about what I think about, probably perhaps than any other time in my life. Why do I think that? Why can I, you know, why do I have this thought and why does it stay a little longer than some others? Because some thoughts come and go, right? But then there's these thoughts that sometimes I entertain. And it's very important I realize something, that, that uh, the more I think about something, the more it's going to take hold of me. And it's true for you. The more you think about something, the more it's going to take hold of you. If you're worried about, if you think about money, where it's going to happen, and you know, it'll, it'll become a worry, worrying thing and a habit in your life. And next thing you know, you're constantly dwelling on this, and it's kind of holding you hostage, almost like a prisoner without a prison cell. I'm learning that, uh, that my, my mind is the most vulnerable organ I have. Uh, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle, they'll say always wear your helmet. Make sure you're wearing a helmet. Why? Because, man, if you, if, if you have something happen to your head, you're in a mess. You're in a, a lot of trouble. Mark Twain once said this, my real life is led in my head. And I think that's true. What I think makes me me. And what you think makes you you. So I've got to take measures to protect my mind, to manage what I think, to manage my mind. Because it does. Sometimes my mind has a mind of its own, and it just goes darting all over the place. And uh, is that is that really the way I'm supposed to live with this mind that I, seem, I can't seem to control? No, because the Bible tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, and He says, and of a sound Mind. God is the source of having a healthy mental thinking process or of mental health. Let me show you a passage here that tells me I need to really manage what I think. Paul says this to Timothy. He was aware that our brains are all over the place. And he look what he says. Run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have. But look at this. But stay close 
to anything that makes you want to do right. Isn't that good? I know it says flee the evil desires of youth is what, the, what a lot of our translations say, but I love this. I found this translation, the Living Bible, interesting because it says that word thoughts. It has that word thoughts. And it's saying I need to, I can choose. I need to somehow avoid or stay away or run from thoughts that are bad and run to thoughts that are good. And one of the ways I can, one of the, one of the ways that I've tried to change my thinking is, well, I'm just not going to think about that anymore. And I'll concentrate on not thinking about it. Now, you know what happens. You end up thinking about it. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm thinking about it all the time because I'm trying not to think about it. No, the best way to replace a bad thought or an evil thought or a, a thought that's just not a good thought is to, is to replace it with a better thought is to think about something else. That's why, and that's what he's saying there to Timothy. You know, run from the, run from those kind of thoughts, but st- make sure you're close. Stay close to the kinds of thoughts, if you'll, pro- if you'll let me do that. Let me say it that way. To stay close to anything, in other words, those kind of thoughts that make you want to do what's right. Paul would say this in Philippians 4, and this is the passage we've been looking at, and we will continue to look at here in the next several weeks. Look what he says to the church of Philippi. Fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. And that's what I want to talk about today. Honorable thoughts. What is an honorable thought? What is an example of an honorable thought? I got thinking about that. Drives me crazy. You, know, you get to thinking about something that will just drive you crazy. It was driving me crazy. Because I, when I looked at this series, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about honorable. What in the world is an honorable thought? What's it look like? Now, do I need somebody to tell me what an honorable thought is? I'm not sure, because I can tell the difference between having an honorable thought and a dishonorable thought. Can you? You kind of know. When you're thinking of something that's noble and honorable, and when something's indecent. I mean, do you need a lesson on that? I I, I don't think I need a lesson on that, although it it helps to have honorable thoughts. Maybe I get something to identify them. The Bible could help me identify them. But I don't need any, any help on how to think those. Um, I know I should think honorable thoughts. You know, another word for, here, here's what helped me, how to define what honorable thought is. Something, a thought that's noble, that's decent, that's right, that's honest, that's ethical. A thought that's ethical. What do you, how, so how do you define honorable thought? Well, here's my stab at it, okay? An honorable thought is what God values and wants that's in His mind. He wants in my mind. What God values and what God wants is the kind of... Those, those values are the honorable thoughts He wants me to have. So why should I, should I figure out... And I'm, I'm really putting it... I want to challenge the church here that you need to go find those honorable thoughts in the Scriptures. 
What are what is maybe talk about that? What do you? We talk, I've been talking to people about this uh, this week. In fact, I asked somebody what his honorable thought was, and he told me an example of an honorable thought. So why should I figure out and focus on things that are honorable? And that's what I really want to talk about: is what do honorable thoughts do? What do they do to you and I? And this is what I've experienced, and I think the Bible uh, supports this. Number one, honorable thoughts give me security in bad circumstances. When I have honorable thoughts, I have this sense of security, I'm going to be okay. You know, Paul says these words here in Philippians 4, 8 again. Remember the, when he says, whatever's pure, whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's honorable, think about these things. He's saying that from a prison cell. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like good circumstances. Does that sound pretty rough? He's saying this from a prison cell. And I think, and I think about, you know, of all people, Paul is in the middle of a mental battlefield right now because he has all these other thoughts that are rivaling the thoughts he could have. They're kind of flooding his mind. Think of the pressure this man is under. You know, when you live a Christian life, when I decided to become a Christian, someone says, uh, Tim, you want to be baptized? Yes, I do. I want to obey the gospel. I want to obey what Jesus said. And it took me two years, by the way, two years before I finally humbled out and went, okay, I'm going to do this. I was one of those hard studies. My wife drove her crazy. She'd want to talk about my sin. I'd want to talk about spacemen. She'd want to talk about, you know, the cross. I'd want to talk about something controversial, something else. I'd change the topic. Drove her nuts. And I remember one time saying, I don't care what the Bible says. I go, did you just hear yourself? What you just said, you don't care what the Bible says. Well, I don't mean that. Then what did you mean? And I remember this was a, it was just a, a war. Not between my wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, but between God and I. I was fighting my thoughts against his thoughts. And I had all these thoughts that were given to me by my mother and by my father. Some of them great thoughts by my preacher at the church I was a part of. And some of my friends, my culture, had all developed all these ideas and concepts. And then I'm running up against the Word of God. And it's saying something else. You know, that's still happening. That's st- If it's not happening in your life, you've stopped. You haven't arrived. You've stopped on that journey. But one of the things I noticed was when I became a Christian, when I got baptized, as soon as I came out of the water, I went, Hallelujah, I'm saved. Uh, someone says, well, wait a minute. You just declared war on the gates of hell, on hell itself. Boy, were they right. And Paul has the daily pressure of just being a disciple. If you get serious about following Jesus, you can count on your circumstances. Some of them are going to be really bad because you follow Jesus. Not because you sin, because you're doing something right. And he's he Paul's experiencing all these pressures, and on top of that, all these people that are going through his mind. You think about a lot of people? You worry about maybe your son, daughter, maybe a friend. He's in prison, and he writes these prison epistles, they call them. He writes Corinth, he writes Ephesus, he writes Colossae, he writes Thessalonica. He's, what is he? He's so concerned, he wants to make sure that they're gonna be okay. And so, he's got this, all these people in his brain that are kinda of crowding in on him too. And on top of that, he's in, the, he's in a prison cell, chained to a guard. 
And yet, Paul would say, and by the way, he's sentenced to die. He's going to be executed. And he would say to the church of Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord all the time. I want to say that again. Rejoice in the Lord all the time. How can you say that, Paul? Because his thoughts are different. He has some higher thoughts that are higher than the prison walls. You guys remember Shawshank Redemption? If you've watched Shawshank Redemption, Andy, remember Andy Dufresne? They put him in solitary, and he comes back, and he's eating with Red and the rest of them. He goes, so how was it, Andy? Oh, piece of cake. Piece of cake? Yeah. Uh, I was listening to Beethoven. He starts naming all these composers. And one of them goes, Andy, did they let you take a photograph in solitary confinement? He goes, no, I had it up here. You know, they can put me in a room by myself, but they can't control my mind. Nobody controls your thinking. Unless you give them permission, nobody controls your thinking. Nobody's holding a gun to your head and making you think a certain thing. You get to choose. And you might feel like a prisoner in your circumstance. You're surrounded by all kinds of chaos, but you don't have to be a prisoner right here. Right here. It comes from thinking better thoughts, higher thoughts, honorable thoughts. Look what he says to the Colossae church. Think about things above and not things on the earth. He goes, you're not going to find honorable thoughts, the best thoughts, to get you through anything on the earth. They are above that. They're above your circumstances. His thoughts, see, are higher than the walls. His thoughts are of God. His thoughts are of God's love. His thoughts are of God's Word. His thoughts are of God's power. That's what gets him through this. He's thinking by choice, honorable thoughts, noble thoughts, thoughts that are higher And see, these are the kind of thoughts that give one, they give a believer, security and stability no matter what's happening to them. Look at this passage in Isaiah 32. I stumbled across this passage, by the way. An honorable man makes honorable plans. His honorable character gives him what? Security. His honorable plans, they come from honorable thoughts. And they lead to security. Jeremiah is becoming one of my favorite prophets. He's depressing. He's the Eeyore of the Bible. If you want to know. Israel is going through it, man. Israel is, everything's falling apart. The city's been destroyed. Uh, captivity is now present. Jeremiah is still sticking around, but he's not, he's not worthy enough, I guess, to go into captivity. He has to stay home with all those that are left behind that are useless. And he is just like, what is happening? And he talks about the suffering he's going through. And in Lamentations 3, he says, Lord, remember my suffering and my misery, my sorrow and trouble. The Lamentations is another another word for funeral song or funeral dirge. If you've been to funerals and you hear a song, some, some funeral songs are just so depressing. And he is writing this song, and it's a very discouraging, depressing song. I would suggest you really... If you decide to read Lamentations, 
you might want to take breaks now and then because you'll walk away wanting to take your head and run it against the wall or something because it's so discouraging. And yet, look what he says, through all this discouragement, one of the few times that Lamentations gives us something so positive, it says, but I have hope when I think of this. Jeremiah says, man, I'm going through suffering. I'm going through misery. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I have trouble in my life. The circumstances are like like a prison cell. He says, but I have hope. And Red would say, hope is a dangerous thing. Remember that? You don't want to give anybody hope. He says, I hope what happens when I think of this. When I think like this. When I think of these things. The Lord's love never ends. Circumstances come and go, folks. But God's love is always there. His man, that's what gives me hope in this circumstance. God's always loving me. He's always there. His mercies never stop. You know, I don't always handle situations the way I should. I don't, I, I'm not a perfect person, he's saying. But your mercy is always going to be there when I trip up, when I slip up, when I mess up. It never stops. This gives me hope when things are not going well for me. They're new every morning. Every morning I wake up, I think of this noble, I think of this noble, honorable thought. You are waiting for me. Your love is waiting for me. Your mercy is waiting for me. Before I even get up, it's ready to welcome me like the dawn. Your loyalty is great. What's he saying there? He said, you'll never leave me. Everybody else seems to leave me. Everybody else deserts me sometimes. When things go bad, they start questioning everything. They may desert me, but my Lord won't. You give me hope when I'm going through these circumstances that are bad. When I think like this, when I think about your love, which is honorable, decent, oh, good, right, your mercy, your loyalty. I say to myself... Because I'm thinking this, I say to myself, you ever talk to yourself? Am I the only crazy person in this room? Of course we talk to ourselves. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Well, here's Jeremiah says, do this. I say to myself, the Lord is mine. He is mine. So I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him. I see the Lord's goodness. Wait a minute. You're suffering. You're in misery. You're in sorrow. You're in trouble. Yeah, I know. But I see the Lord's goodness in all this, too. An honorable thought helps me see the bigger picture. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him, to those who seek Him. It is good to wait. Listen, then he says, it's just good to wait quietly for the Lord to save you. What is he saying? It's good to calm down. And no, I'll be okay. I can feel that way because I'm thinking of this honorable thought. I want to think like that. How about you? I want to think like that. I know God wants me to think that way and He wants you to think that way too. Let me ask you a question this morning. What honorable thought could you bring into your situation right now that would change how you feel about it? What honorable thought could you bring into the situation you're in, into your marriage, 
into your work situation, into your financial situation? What honorable thought could you bring into your life that would help you, first of all, admit, just be honest, because that's what an honorable thought will do. It will force you to be honest about things, to adjust some things, and to calm down. I don't know about you, I need this point really bad right now. I need this. I want to think like this so I can respond. I want to think like Jeremiah so I can... Man, I'm a wimp. Jeremiah's going through the ringer. I'm not going through no ringer. And I'm having a meltdown. I'm having a hard time. But Jeremiah's going through it. And he says, well, here's what gives me hope. I think like this, Tim. And this honorable thought gets me through it. It's a true thought. It's a good thought. And it's not a thought I found in my circumstance. But above it, heavenward, not on the earth. That's the first thing. Number two, honorable thoughts change how I treat others. Let me tell you, you want, are you, are you happy the way you're treating people? You want to change that? Pursue honorable thoughts. See, a Christian life is not measured by how many Bible verses we know or how much money we've given in the plate. It's going to be measured by our relationships. It's going to be measured, your Christian life, my Christian life is going to be measured by how I treat other people. So let me ask you a question. What goes through your mind when you see people? Your brain, you know, is 70,000 thoughts. You get to choose. What goes through, it goes in, you know, goes through your head when you see your spouse. This is very convicting for me. I've been married a long, long time. I've lost count. I'm learning marriage is tougher as you get older. New challenges. I've said this before. I've been married to three different women. I didn't, Tim, I've only seen Denise. That's my point. I've married a girl. I married a mother. Now I am married to a senior citizen. Just being honest with you. Well, she's married. She married a boy and a father and a senior citizen too, okay? She's, she's been married to, I don't know, she may say she's been married to ten different men. (laughs) Rolls the dice. What are you going to get today, you know? What an indictment. Today is January 20th. This is the day Denise's mother passed away. It's also Denise's mother's birthday. Tough day. What do I see when I see her this morning? I see a a daughter. I see a daughter that's mourning. What do you see? What do you see when you see your spouse? Ladies, when you see your husband. When he comes around the corner, when he shows up, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? What do you, what do you, what goes through your mind when you see a stranger? Someone that's poor. Another believer. A struggling believer. A coworker. A child. A senior citizen an older person. What goes through your mind when you see them?
Here's what goes through God's mind when he sees people. Look at this passage. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, he saw a large crowd. His heart went out to them. What goes through, what's the honorable thought that God has when he sees people? His honorable thought is everybody matters. Everybody matters. He loves everybody. Doesn't matter what they've done. Listen to me. It doesn't matter where they're from. Doesn't matter how educated they are. It doesn't, doesn't matter if they're loud or soft spoken, their personality. They all matter to him. That's his thought. That's how he is with people. This is the noble thought that dominates his mind. He thinks this way, and we know he thinks this way because he died for everybody. He has a plan for everybody. He, you and I are included in his plans, and so are the people that we don't have honorable thoughts towards. He loves, will die for them, and has a plan for them. He has a purpose. And He wants you and I to see people from His viewpoint. Look, it says here in 1 Peter 2, Peter wasn't always a guy that treated everybody nice. It says, honor everyone. Everyone? Everyone. What's everyone mean? Really? What's the Greek behind that? Well, the Greek behind that means uh, it's pronounced whatever, and it means everyone. <laughs> Love the family of believers, it says. Have respectful fear of, of God. Honor God, he's saying. And honor the emperor. Wait a minute. Honor the emperor? Honor the emperor. Respect and honor the emperor. He kills Christians. Honor the emperor. He's crazy. Honor the emperor. He tweets a lot. Honor the emperor. (laughs) Deal with it. I don't like the emperor. I don't... Well, okay. And your point? Honor the emperor. Honor everyone. Let me give you a list of people that God wants me to honor. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a quick list, okay? The first people I'm to honor are God and His Word. There's some scriptures there on your notes. And there's others, but there's a few right there. What does it say, Ecclesiastes? Fear God and honor God. Fear Him and obey His commands, for this is the whole duty of man. This is what's honorable. This is how you live an honorable life. This is after uh, Solomon has tried everything. He says, this is really what life's about. Honoring God and doing what He wants. I'm to honor my parents. That's another one. When can I stop honoring my parents? What? It just says, honor your parents. Exodus and Ephesians both talk about this. I didn't know this. I didn't realize this. That in the Ten Commandments, this is the only one that has a promise connected to it. Honor your mother and father so that you'll have a long life. You'll enjoy a long life. 
I'm to honor my parents. Another one, I'm to honor my spouse. Husbands, love your wives. Honor them. Honor them. Respect them. Wives, respect and honor your husband. I'm to honor other members of God's family. That's another one. There's lots of verses on this. Romans 12, honor one another above yourself. First Corinthians 12, some parts of the body honor other parts of the body that, that need more honor. Or to honor each other, respect each other. We're to honor older people. Leviticus 19.32 and 1 Timothy 5.1. It says, treat older men like fathers. Not like you treat your father. You may have had a bad father or something. No, he's saying like, a fa- like you're supposed to treat fathers. You're supposed to honor them. I'll never forget Billy Graham one time writing. He was at a, um, a Sonic somewhere in town, and there were two Thunderbirds parked an outdoor restaurant, you know, the Sonic. And, and on that restaurant, there were two Thunderbirds, a brand new one and one made from the 50s. He says, and guess where the crowd was gathered around? The older car. Yet we live in a society that has, as I get older, I'm seeing this now. I see what some of you older folks ahead of me have been telling me when I was in my 40s. You You wait. Until you're on the phone or at a counter and someone treats you like you're old and don't know what you're doing. It's insulting. I had a friend of mine who lived to be 82. And Vernon, I learned, I got to be friends with Vernon just for a short time. We talked about, oh, I'd love to have met you when I was younger, Tim. Oh, me too, Vernon. We hit, we hit it off. And I learned something when he died. All that wisdom and knowledge went with him. And I can no longer tap into that. Not into that man. We need to cherish our older people. What happened to yes sir and yes ma'am? What happened to respect? Instead of cutting them up. Or ignoring them, which is the worst. You know, when we were a young church, way back in the day when the average age was... 20. <laughs> there were no old people around. We didn't have to worry about that passage. We have to now. Because us 20-somethings have become the 50-somethings and the 60-somethings. We're to love older people. We're to cherish them. Here's another one. Unbelievers. We're to honor unbelievers. I, there's the passage. Look at this passage. I want to show it to you up on the screen. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. He's talking about unbelievers there. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. Well, there's a, there's, that's something. The goal is to bring out the best in others in, in a conversation. Not put them down. Not cut them out. How do you handle people that you disagree with you? They have a different political view than you. They have a different lifestyle than you. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but un- guys, unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. <laughs> They're not going to believe what you believe, most likely. And the Bible says here, I'm to respect them, I'm to honor them. The Bible talks about the poor, that God gets angry when we don't respect and pay attention to the poor around us. 
Here's another one they may have not thought of, and that's immigrants. By the way, what I'm about to read to you is not a political statement I'm making today. I'm just reading the Bible here. Look at this passage in Leviticus 19. Do not mistreat foreigners living in your country, but treat them just as you treat your own citizens. Love foreigners as you love yourselves, because you were foreigners one time in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Look, I, I believe everybody ought to come in legally, blah, 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 okay? But I tell you, when somebody... Right now, we have people that are from a different country that live amongst us. How do we treat them? What do we think about when we see them? If they're wearing some clothing that's different than us. Or speaking in a language you don't quite understand. The Bible says we're to honor them, not to mistreat them. Another one is our enemies. How do you respond to people who are just opposed to you? They give you nothing but a rough time that gossip about you, that try to hurt you, that try to stop you. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I'm telling you, love your enemies. If you notice this list is getting harder and harder and harder. Okay, here's another one. Government leaders. Oh, I heard a moan. Yeah, our government leaders were to respect whether you are thinking of Pelosi or Trump or Schumer or our wonderful governor. I don't know who you're thinking about, but um, we're to respect our governing leaders. Everyone? Yep, everyone. How do you do that? I agree. That's a great question. How do I do that? Because it just seems that the world is getting more and more uncivil, more rude. We're calling each other out on little things. It's not just PC police, folks. We just love to nitpick a person's argument. Yeah, wait a minute. There's an exception there. I don't know how many conversations I'm in in a week's time and how many times somebody's busting somebody out. Even even coming out of my mouth. The world's getting ruder. How do I do that? How do I honor people that aren't very honorable? How do I treat them with a noble attitude? Well, honoring people, and listen to this carefully, you need to hear this, starts with not only how you think, but what you're going to think with. Because if you're going to think with your emotions, you're going to have a hard time respecting people and treating them the way Christ wants them treated. You're going to have a hard time... Listen, if you're thinking with prejudices, maybe you've had an experience with somebody. Listen, your experiences, sometimes the bad experiences we have affect how we treat others. And you're not going to honor very many people if you're thinking with those in mind... If you're thinking, well, how's this going to play out to my benefit? Listen, you're going to only use people. And God sees that. So why do I do this? You know, I was reading an article this week, a study about why young people are leaving the churches in droves in America. And they're talking about one of the reasons they're leaving is because Christians are judgmental and rude. Ouch! It's true. And you know, listen, everybody 
in our culture seems to be judgmental and rude. It's almost acceptable behavior. And we're never going to treat each other or treat anybody the way God wants to treat them with this kind of attitude. See, an, an honorable thought is above how I feel. An honorable thought is above a bad experience. An honorable thought will help you deal with people that are sinful. You know what an honorable thought is? I'm sinful too. <laughs> you know, I don't, <laughs> we're in the same boat. To uh, somebody who has a different view, a totally different view of things. This is hard for me. I want to bust it out. Some people have just a different, they're different. They're just different. Not sinful. Not, it's not about sin. Just different. They see things differently. I don't like that. An honorable thought will help me deal with that. An honorable thought, when I start thinking things like, God wants us to live in harmony with one another. That means for harmony to take place, two people have to play different notes. So I've got to allow some latitude for people. This sermon's for me, by the way. Nobody else needs this. Am I right? Okay, just want to make sure. (laughs) Or when somebody's harsh to me. They're just disrespectful and harsh to me. I want to lash right back out. I want to diss on them. I want to get sarcastic on them. The thing is, sarcasm never works. Never works. But a noble thought is a thought that goes like this. They treated Jesus this way. It says that He did not retaliate. He made no threats. He entrusted to Him who judges justly. What a noble guy. No wonder the centurion say, Wow. He surely must be the Son of God. He was so noble on that cross. He brought honor to life and to God on the cross. You see, this noble thought I have brings God's idea and values of others into every relationship I have, whether stranger or my closest friend. It's seeing all people like God sees them. Does it mean I accept their behavior? Oh, come on. We know better than that. Of course not. Does God accept my sinful behavior? Of course not. He told a woman caught in adultery, go and leave your life of sin, right? Don't uh, Go away and sin no more. But he didn't throw a rock at her. He respected her. He gave her dignity. I'm going to tell on myself. Last week, you know, we had church services. Some of some of us, I think, that's crazy. We had eight inches of snow on the ground. Weather forecast was crazy. It said another six to eight was coming. And we had church services. I talked to some people in town, some of the bigger churches. They had less than ten show up, folks. I mean, they were like, how many did you have? We had a pretty good crowd. I was surprised. I was, I was surprised. And I also was pleased. And, and, uh, you know, after church, I did think, whatever's true, we talked about whatever's true. And I got on my truck after church, you know, I prayed, blah, 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 boom, out the door, in my truck. Why am I, I'm going home. The reason I'm going home is because I've got eight inches of snow to get off my parking lot at the shop. So I get in my truck, drive up straight, and I've got a small group later in the afternoon, and I, I only got so many hours window. I gotta get this done. 
And so I get home and I get on my tractor, my old 1939 8N tractor. Back up this thing. And I drive it to my shop. 30 minute drive on this tractor. I could walk faster in this tractor. So I get to the shop and I pull into the parking lot and guess what I see? Casey's next door. They're all parking lots nice and clean, but they've shoved all their snow into my parking lot. I was not happy. I get in my tractor. Well, who do they think they are? I'm grinding gears. Who do they think I'm backing up? And I start on the other side of the parking lot, and it's a good thing I did. And I start cleaning off, you know, my the guy that's next to me, his parking lot. Then I start working on mine, and I keep looking over at that pile. I kid you not, folks, it was four foot high. Snow was just, they just shoved it right, took out a whole parking space. The nerve. And I'm boiling every time. And I'm just shoving snow everywhere I can. I'm looking, what am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to shove all that snow in their parking lot because it's their snow. Yeah, I'm just enjoying that thought. Entertaining that thought. I'm keeping that thought, you know. Not going to let it get away from me. Yeah, and I'm backing around, shoving snow. I finally get to the spot, and I'm backing up. God just ruins everything. (laughs) You're not going to do something stupid, are you? That's the thought I get. I'm backing up. (laughs) You're not going to do something stupid, are you? Huh? You're not going to do that, are you? You just did a sermon on thinking. On whatever's true. Does it feel true for you, Tim? I pull my tractor forward again. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I'd feel so good if I could just shove it in there. I'm going to do And I back up again and I get a blade up against it again. I get you not. So you're going to do it. You're going to do something stupid. That's what you're going to do. And I let the clutch out and I throw it over there in their side. I'm just telling you the truth. I pick up my blade, grab it, pull it back over my side. I shove it where in my parking lot. Here's the noble thought I had. Is that what God would want you to do, Tim? The second thing is, how often are you going to get an eight-inch snow? Do you really want to make this a big issue? The last eight-inch snow you got was five years ago. Really? Is it worth it? I was thinking out of the box, out of my head, rather than just thinking about how to get even. Now, why do I tell you that? Noble thoughts will change the way you treat others. They help you deal with when life doesn't go the way you want. And I wrote this down. I want you to hear this. And when you have honorable thoughts, here's what I realized. When you and I have honorable thoughts, we stand out like stars in the universe in this crazy, rude world. And doesn't the world need that? So, listen, man, the world needs you to think noble and honorable thoughts right now. You're going to work. There's something going on there. You need to bring those honorable thoughts. All have to eat crow. Eat the crow. It's worth it. Here's the third thing. Honorable thoughts keep my focus on God's purpose and plan. 
When you have honorable thoughts, it'll keep your focus where it belongs. Not on your situation, not on your problem, but on God's purpose and plan. You know, Jesus is with His disciples, and He's asking them, who do people say I am? And some say, well, some say Elijah, John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And if you remember, He says to His disciples, okay, well, who do you say I am? He's saying, what do you think? And Peter goes, you're the Christ. That's his first word. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of God. That's who you are. And what's Jesus say to him? He says, what an honorable thought you got there. Because that didn't come from your dad on earth. That came from above. Your thought was above, Peter, and you're so right. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over when I go into town and mistreated, and they're going to kill me, and I'm going to resurrect. And what's Peter's response? No way, Jose! No way, what? Never! Wait a minute, you just had this great, honorable, noble thought. What happened to you? That's how the mind is. See, that's how quick it changes, doesn't it? And Jesus looks at him and goes... Get behind me, Satan. Huh? You call me Satan? Get behind me, Satan. Like he said, you're an, you're offense, you're an offense to me. He's literally meaning, you're a stumbling block. One translation says, you're not helping me here, pal. You're not helping me. You're making getting out of the situation more attractive. You're not encouraging me to do the will of God. So get behind me because... What's he say? What's the reason? You're not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. See, God's thoughts are honorable thoughts. And he's saying, the reason you lost your focus on the big picture, Peter, is because you let your mind start thinking about stuff around here and not above. You weren't thinking about the honorable thing, the whole scope of things. You ever had anybody have to say to you, remind you of the big picture, maybe at home or at work? Why do they have to do that? Because you're thinking about the details. You're thinking, you're, you're not thinking, you're thinking too low. You're not thinking about the bigger picture. See, most of my energy, ask yourself this, or just think about this idea, that most, when most of my energy is spent on what matters to me, I'm going to miss what matters to God. I'm going to miss the big picture. That's why this statement on your notes is so important. I think it's on your notes. The gospel is the honorable thought of every believer. The story of God and man and the redemption of man, what God coming to save man, man's, man is created, man screws it up. God brings Jesus, His only Son, to die and save mankind is the most honorable thought you have because when you think, when you concentrate on that honorable thought, you see the big picture of what it's really about. You see, your values, my values, my priorities begin to change. My perspective of what's going on in the world and in my life grows and broadens to include what God sees, God's picture. 
I live with a bigger purpose. I live with a purpose that's bigger, listen, bigger than my personal preference, than what I want. I'm more into what God wants, because noble thinking leans you that way. Let me give you an example. Here's Paul. Look what he says. He's talking about this. He explains it. He, in other words, he recognizes his purpose. He's driven by his, this purpose. And look, look how, where it comes from, the noble thought here. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do His work. He considered me trustworthy. Here's his, he, thinks, he thinks I'm trustworthy. He thinks I'm reliable. He believes in me. God is not an atheist. He believes in you. He says, and appointed me to serve Him. He's picked me. He's selected me. He sanctified me. Whatever way you want to say it. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. He's saying, even though I screw up, God wants to use me? Even though I mess up, God wants to use me? Absolutely. So you can't use those as excuses. He still wants to use you. But I've screwed up a lot of stuff. I've messed up a lot of stuff. So, Paul says he's the worst sinner here in a minute. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. Well, he goes, oh man, in my pride, in my arrogance, I persecuted God's people. But God had mercy on me. There's that noble thought. Because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. Noble thought? Sounds like a noble thought. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. He's saying everyone should think this. Everyone should think like this and accept this thought. What is it? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them all. He says, man, the the noble thought. Jesus, I asked Tom Tarantino, we were out, I said, Tom, what's a noble thought to you? And he goes, two seconds. He goes, a noble thought, an honorable thought of God? He wants everybody saved. How do you know that? Because he saved me. That's how I know. That's what Paul's saying here. He wants everybody saved. He wants everybody to know Christ. And he wants us all to accept this idea, this noble thought. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God, uh, Gary, every time I see the word but, I think of butology. But God had mercy on me. Look how personal it is. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. See, when I think about what Jesus has done for me, when you think about what Jesus has done for you, it reminds you, and we're reminded, aren't we, of the bigger picture? God's response to sin, even to mine, even to the person I work with, the enemy I engage, the parent, the child... The friendship, and that he has a plan to use me. Look at this in Romans 12 as we close. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind he can accept. When you think of what he has done for you, 
Is this too much to ask? He's saying, in view of God's mercy, I think is what one translation says, as you think this honorable idea, this honorable thought of the love and mercy of God towards you, he says, let it motivate you to see the bigger picture here. He wants to use you. He wants you to be a living sacrifice the rest of your life. Let me ask you, what does the gospel encourage you to do? It needs to be more than just set and soak in the salvation. Huh? Well, I'm saved. And that's great. But is that where it ends? When you think about the gospel, the good news for you, you know it's good news for everybody else too? Everybody you know? How are they going to hear this good news? See, when I have ignoble, shameful, indecent, wrong, evil, whatever, all these other thoughts, they're going to crowd out. I'm not going to be able to see my purpose very clearly. And I'm going to lose my purpose. I'm going to start settling down and raising a family. I'm going to start being content. I'm just going to work here and make some money and, you know, retire. And I've, what I've basically done is, like we do with our phones and uh, publishers, uh, uh, computer, I've cropped the image down to this small picture. And there's so much more that God wants me to see. And it's all happening in my head. With the thoughts I choose. With the thoughts you choose. So I ask you again this morning, like I asked you as we started this lesson, what's on your mind? What will be on your mind? May God, may God help you have honorable thoughts. The kind that give you security. The kind that change the way you look at people. And the kind that help you discover His purpose and plan for your life. You have a card in your bulletin. And it's a simple, you know, response card. I hope you'll think about what's been said this morning. Maybe you've got some circumstance you don't even know how to work through. Why not let some people pray for you to give you the kind of thoughts that will help you through that circumstance? Maybe you've lost your purpose. You know, I don't know what God's plan is for me anymore, Tim. I used to be really just in there, and now I'm kind of like on the outside. Well, why not make a decision this morning? I'm going to rededicate my life, and I'm going to get back what I've lost. I'm going to start thinking God's way. Let those changes begin. We're going to give you a moment to do that while we sing a song. And then we're going to sing another song and collect those cards up along with our regular contribution. And if you're a guest here, we want you to know you're under no obligation to give a dime when the plate's passed. Nobody's going to think you're weird. And if you're a member, and <laughs> you let the plate pass by, well, you're on your own there. Okay? No, but if you're a guest, we want you to know we didn't, we didn't bring you here or invite you here. God didn't bring you here. So we get some money out of your pocket. He wants to give you something in your heart. It'll change your life. We hope you hope you've experienced something like that today. Let's pray and we'll be through. Father, thank you for for having such great ideas. You have the best thoughts, Lord. You have the best values, concepts, principles. 
And Father, I just know every time we bring one of your thoughts, one of your principles into a situation we're dealing with, it just changes everything. Would you help us to think bigger? To think higher? I know, Father, to some here, they feel trapped in their circumstance. Would you see that they're not trapped as much as they think? That if they start thinking more honorable, noble thoughts, Father, that you could help them see the bigger picture of what's really going on so they could relax, so they could have peace. Father, thank you for the purpose and the plan that you give all of us, Father. Would you help us discover that again for some of us here or, or be more involved in it than we perhaps have ever been? But help us, Father, change whatever's going on let it start with the way we're thinking. Father, would you help us treat people in this room better, in our houses, in our homes better, to think more like a servant and less selfish, to think more like Jesus and not ourself. Father, would you help us think that way at work and to think that way wherever we're going to today? when we see people, that we see people like you do, that you love them, that they matter, you want them saved. Again, thank you, Father. We pray for great mental health. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.